0: I will admit that I have lost to my computer while playing chess, but it is absolutely no match for me at kickboxing. This is Across the Table, the podcast of Hannibal the Magician. Hello and welcome to my little Hannibal world. Uh, There has been... Well, you know, the world is just twisting and turning and catching on fire in some places and I'm dealing with it the best way that I know how. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to a very special edition of the podcast. Uh, This week, I'm going to play for you a podcast that I did for someone else, that I did for some friends. Um... This is from the Fire and Earth podcast, The Keys to Unlocking Your Potential, with Kathy Groover and Jason Mefford. Um, They recorded me on their podcast and graciously gave me a copy to share with you. This will be available here, and i also put up the video version on the YouTube channel. If you just look for Hannibal the Magician or Hannibal Group, you'll find uh, find me there in uh, in the YouTube, and I'll probably put a link... Also, within the description of this one. So, uh, enjoy this. I had a lot of fun doing it. I hope they'll have me back in another time. And we touch on some interesting things. So, here you go Fire and Earth Podcast with Kathy Groover and Jason Medford. And this week, Hannibal. Welcome to the Fire and Earth Podcast
1: with your hosts, Jason Medford and Kathy Groover. Fire and Earth giving you the keys to unlock your limitless potential.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Fire and Earth Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason Mefford.
1: And I am Kathy Groover, and we are so excited to have another phenomenal guest. This gentleman is an amazing magician, an incredible entertainer, quite the philosopher. He's one of my favorite people, Hannibal. Directly from Los Angeles, and one of our favorite performers at the Magic Castle. Welcome, Hannibal. Oh,
0: thank you very much. Wonderful you to be here.
1: Thanks awesome. for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. So this is, I'm so excited about this conversation because we're not quite as a lot of them. We're not quite sure where it's going to go. Uh, but I awesome. wanted to have you. <laughs> you know, I wanted to have you on because you're just you're an incredible performer. And you have really just created this environment and created this life around yourself that inspires and entertains so many people. So um, give us an idea of like how you got into magic and uh, and we'll take the conversations from there.
0: Okay. Um, I got into magic by accident. Um, I was working in 1992, summer of 1992, I was working for a family resort uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was writing scripts and performing uh, live action uh plays, musicals, and puppet shows for this family resort. My job was to write scripts. I had a partner who wrote music, and uh, we created these shows that would generally run for a whole week or two. Um, in, the, in that interim, I wrote a show that contained a street performer, a hustler, a low-life kind of a dude. Um, and so I went to the public library, and I learned a couple of card tricks in order to play that character. Now, the family resort job went away. It uh, We literally came in one morning, and the gates were locked, and the whole place had shut down and never reopened. Mm, wow. Never got my last paycheck. Um, and as you might imagine, script-writing jobs in Charlotte, North Carolina, are, are <laughs> scarce. Yeah. They're, they're smaller. You know? I, thought, I thought that was one of the hotbeds
2: of the film industry you now.
0: Mm, well, okay. un, un, until we decided that <coughs> North Carolina decided to tax overtaxed the people coming in and lost a lot of stuff to Georgia. Maybe we were for a while, but mm-hmm. alas. Um, so in the, uh, in the discussion I had with my wife at the time, um, I said, well, you know, I'll look for something else. I'll look for some kind of performance work because I've been a performer since I was six years old. Um, something will come along. In the meantime, I know a couple of card tricks. I wonder if I could actually be a street performer and make that pay off. So I took the the props and the table and everything from the play I had written and went uptown in Charlotte, North Carolina. And on day one, I made $87, um, just stopping people and showing them the two card tricks that I knew and, and telling jokes and bantering with them. And uh, I never got another job. I never <laughs> replaced the job. I went, I did street performing for a very long time and moved that into bars and restaurants and from that leveraged corporate work and motivational speaking, and and uh, and then two years ago, now now I picked up the magic thing in 1993, um, and then skip ahead two years ago in 2018, I moved to Los Angeles, um, as a newly single man to continue uh, to continue this journey.
1: And we're very happy you're here. I'm glad to be here. Um, I have watched you perform so many times now. You play with the crowd. I do. In such a way. It is so beautifully manipulative. And you take them on this. No, like in the best way. You take them on this incredible journey. So so what does that that do for you as the performer? To getting so into that character and so into that banter with the audience. Where does that take you?
0: Kathy, it's such a dance, you know? Mm -hmm. And and it's literally my mother insisted when I was a kid that I learned ballroom dancing and that I learned jazz and tap and stage. That's really how everything got started. Um, And with ballroom dance and with with certain types of of that kind of like waltzes and, and tangos and everything else, light touches can change the entire direction of what you're doing. And as the lead of the dance, you, you decide we're going to do this way. You can do it with a step or a gentle nudge in this direction. And that's that, that's that same back and forth uh, with the intimacy of a close-up or parlor sized audience mm-hmm. to where you get a feel of the rhythm of this, of the group that's around you and you, and you nudge them in the right direction. That's really the best way I can describe it is, is I, I, I have a gift of a feeling of, I recognize that, that you're looking in this direction and this is, what you're thinking, and and I, I just try to pull all those elements together, and it's it's largely unconscious. I've done it for so long, and and, I, and I'm going to credit that a lot of that to street performance because you, the crowd changes and it moves and it breathes and people walk away and new people walk up, and, and who knows what their day has been or what. They, and, and and with that, they've got they're not a captive audience. Mm-hmm. If, if they get bored, if they've got something else to do, they can literally in the middle of whatever you're doing can just walk walk away and they won't if they're engaged. And so I learned early on to engage and start the dance.
2: Well, it's got to say, you know, you know, because again, I mean, both of you are performers. I guess I perform in a in kind of a different way from a corporate perspective, but it's it's you know, it's it's always interesting how you know a lot of the big movie film stars, TV stars, end up going back and doing things like Broadway and and other live performance stuff. And I and I've got to imagine because, like, as, as you're talking about it here, you know. I mean, you know, movies are are magical to the people watching them, not to the people Absolutely. making them, right? Because they're a pain in the ass. You know, it's like, all right, do that scene again. You know, reset. You know, all this kind of stuff. Right. right, 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 right. Back to one. <laughs> yeah, back to one. Here we go. But a live performance because it's live. Like you said, there's that energy. There's that rhythm of the audience, and every single night, even if you're even if you're performing the same play, mm-hmm. you've got to assume each. Each performance is slightly different oh, yeah. because of the audience, and especially like you know street performing. That's oh, yeah. got to be one of the hardest gigs. It's like it's like stand up comedy or anything else, you know, where it's like it's you've got to be a good performer or else you don't hold the audience and it just goes spirals downward. Oh, pretty you, quickly,
0: you, it, good performer, yes, but you've got to make the connection. Yeah, you have to be able to connect with the people in front of you. And I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot, Kathy. You've watched me perform how many times roughly seven or eight how many times have you seen me do generally the same tricks
1: um uh well other than the halloween show it's pretty much similar the same Mm -hmm. yeah
0: so it keeps you coming back watching the same show again
1: (laughs) You know, that's an awesome question, and I have had so many people ask me that about the Magic Castle in general Mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, my God, how often can you watch the same guys do the same tricks? I said, well, first of all, it's not the same guys, and second of all, though it's maybe the same illusion or the same sleight of hand or the same trick, Mm -hmm. it's the way it's done. It's the pattern. It's the story that goes around it, and even if I know how they're done, because I know how most of them are done, to (laughs) me it's the... knowing how it's done and not seeing them do it or seeing them do it and go, Holy shit. That was so great. The way he palmed that, the way he, you know, it's the, <laughs> it becomes the artistry of it at that point. Okay. And the, the other thing that I really like, especially with you, I like watching the people around me watch the magician. Right. So there's been so many times, especially with like Mike Pashota, who I also want to have on the show, or I mean like that kind of performer, John Armstrong or Handsome Jack, like I will sit back and watch the people in the sh- crowd watch right, him. Man. And there's such an energy about that to me of people going, Oh, or God, oh, holy shit. You know, right? yeah, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. as Boy, an adult yeah. human, when do we get to have that awe and that See, wonder and that don't. mystery? It's I so know rare.
0: it's so rare. And I contest to you, it only genuinely comes out in live performance. You can be amazed See. and astonished and entertained, by uh, virtual magic or things on on screen like this. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be largely and more explored in the future because of this particular situation. Yeah. But live performance is when you get that raw energy and that raw human feeling. And uh, the secret is, is that's, that's where my show is because I watch them all the time. I know I've seen me enough. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you don't know, carry a mirror
2: around, around like... and watch yourself all <laughs> <while> your performance.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I want to, see, I want to see what what's coming this way. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm very interested in what this audience is gonna is gonna show me this time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think it's a, you know, that awe and wonder, you know, that you kind of talk about that I think is so so fabulous, mm-hmm. and why magic is so magical, right? Mm-hmm. Is because you know, like you said, as adults. You know, uh, we usually kind of get rid of some of that stuff. Sure. You know, it's like it's like we push it aside, um, you know, and I'll get I'll get the quote wrong, you know, but the John Cougar Mellencamp line, you know, when I was a young man, I said, put away those young boy ways
0: now that I'm yeah, so yeah, much yeah.
2: older. I wish uh, you know long yeah, yeah, yeah. for those days.
0: Well, that's yeah. a that's a direct reference back to uh, I'm gonna, I, I don't know the verse. But it, it's a biblical verse that, when I was uh, young, I thought, as, I thought as a young man. I, I reacted as a young man, and then as I became older, I put away. Uh, yeah. I put away my childish ways, yeah. and, and acted and thought as a man. And I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Make sure. Okay. I have responsibilities, and I take care of responsibilities, and I, I, you know, maintain a certain level of dignity for my age. <laughs> um See you? Um, um, there we go. Yeah, I do. I totally do. I
2: totally do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: man. Huh. Weird. Uh, something in there. <laughs> no, I like this one. <laughs> I think for, my favorite... anybody, for anybody just listening to this on audio, they're like, what the hell are they doing?
0: <laughs> oh, there might be something with finger off in 48 different languages. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then again, and, and I want to I continue that thought as far as uh, attention and connection and, and watching the audience and, and the visceral return. That's a huge amount of power to have. What are you going to do with it? Now that you've established it, now that you've blossomed this thing, what do you do with it? You have a responsibility, right? Uh-huh. Or don't you? Um, and so for me, uh, at at a certain point in life, I started, uh, talking about things that I just simply believe in, uh, love, kindness, um, uh, the use of one's gifts instead of wasting them. And that led me to some very interesting places. It also led to me, uh, led me to people telling me that, uh, you know, just, just, just do your act and, and, and. And keep your own opinions to yourself. We, we only came to see card tricks. We don't want to hear what you have to say about anything else.
1: Which is such a disservice because you can watch that online. Absolutely. Like you can Google anybody and watch a card trick. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is one of the things I love. I mean, I must have seen Mike Pishota 20 times. So uh-huh. I mean, like every time I'm with a he's He's a performer down in the bar at the Magic Castle. Yes. Every time I can see him, I do. It's yeah. the same basic tricks. Mm-hmm. tricks it's the same basic pattern i could probably do his show except i don't have the dexterity to do any of it but i love the artistry of it and i love the philosophy and i love the audience interaction same with you the times that i've had the privilege of like hannibal's performing yeah i get to go see you it's because of that story that you weave it's because of that sure. performance and the reason I a lo- genius oh my god he yes everybody i take down there is absolutely blown away absolutely and pissed off
0: of course of course <laughs> You're like uh, but, but again and our but our styles are, are very different yeah in the way that we approach and, and handle an audience uh, I could never do what he does he's he's at his own level he said he's carved out his own place and it's, it's perfect you know and and because it's perfect he keeps working on it and and, and refining and polishing and it just gets it to for me every time I see it it's better every time
1: yeah yeah it really is so yeah. here's why I love this conversation so Jason and I have talked about magic about that awe, about that, um, the magic of life, about embracing that newness and that wonder sort of thing. Mm -hmm. We've also talked about third level listening, which is exactly what you were talking about, of not only knowing how you're feeling, but also what's happening around you and taking the input from the crowd into you. Yes. other thing I love about this conversation is that we can have 20 people doing the same thing, but -hmm. doing it in such a different way and making it so unique and so your own and i mean i do the same basic stress talk every time i go do a stress talk but i have had people at conferences years in a row come back to see me do it of course. they know it's not new they know it's probably going to be the same stories and the same but it's that performance it's, it's the way i weave the stories so for people that think they have to continually reinvent themselves i i mean yes you want to keep growing but I don't think you need to be a different human every single day. I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's like this sort of double-edged sword kind of thing.
0: So a few years ago, um, I opened, I had the opportunity to open for Davy Jones from the Monkees. He was doing uh, corporate work at the time he was traveling around. Um, and we did a, a tent show on the lawn of a, of a large uh, mansion in the mountains of North Carolina. Uh, they hired me to to warm the crowd up for davy Jones and I, I I certainly did my best and and I got a great connection and but there's there's this tension feeling in the audience and a lot of what you do also when you absorb this in and you have that third level, you can then change the entire mood of the audience by putting it back out in the way that you present it in the positive way you do it or the or the the, the, the heightening of nerves, if you want to do it that way, or you can, you can move the crowd. Um, Davy came out uh, after, uh, Mr. Jones came out after I was done and, and just slew, right? All of that to say, later on that evening, we're back in the dressing room and he's talking to me about the act. He enjoyed the act that I did, he thought, and he asked me, uh, how, how many times have you changed? what you're doing in your act. I said, well, it evolves. And I put things in and take things out depending on my mood and what I think will work well for the crowd of doing. He's like, that's lovely. I've been doing the same two dozen songs for the past 40 years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He said, I have three albums of original material nobody wants to hear. Mm-hmm. And if I leave out Daydream Believer, they're going to riot. <laughs> so I just, I have to make it unique each night while singing the same words. And I went, I never want to be famous. But yeah, but it is it yeah. is in, in a very, very huge sense, uh, the singer and not the song.
1: Yeah. Well, stand-up comedy. I mean, it's like I got to the point where I knew every single Jerry Seinfeld shtick. I mean, like I knew mm-hmm. how he said it, I knew the facial expression, but you still want to see that over and over and over again. Because course, it's hilarious.
0: He, yeah. he, he reaches and he connects with something. It's the way you make them feel like my angelo said it's not what you do it's how you make them feel and that's that's what brings people back around
2: so 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 what are some of the things that you know I, I mean we talked about like the you know l- listening kind of to the energy of the crowd mm-hmm. but what what are some things I mean you know because again I, I love the the point that you talked about you know with with kind of this power comes some responsibility as well mm-hmm. right as far as I mean what are what are because I think we can all do this to some extent in our immediate little circle too. Right. It's like, we can, we can pick up on energy. We can see kind of what's, what's going on. I mean, what do you, what, how do you kind of do that? And then how do you, again, with this responsibility, try to help move the energy the way that it needs to go. So you, you change the situation, right? Yeah. I mean, because like you said, with that one with with Davy Jones, you know, it was it was a tough crowd, kind of to begin with. It was a corporate event, probably. I mean, I've yeah. I've been at a lot of those kind of things. It depends on, you know, you guys were probably later in the evening, so you don't know what the last couple of sessions were
0: or this Oh sure, street, yeah, know, yeah, onto it. You just kind of land into this yeah. thing, right? Well, you you mentioned you have kids. Mm-hmm. You can tell their mood without them saying anything, right? So, an interpersonal relationship, when you get to know someone, or when you when you get into someone else's vibe, or you establish the relationship with someone, you have the ability, first of all, to recognize at a glance, or just from a few words, or just the small interaction, of exactly where their heads at. And if you if you take if you take I don't use it's not taking control but it's taking the the uh, the leverage of that and saying I'm going to respond to the way you're you know to the way you're reacting to me with anything I can do it in a positive way I can fight back and cause friction mm-hmm. I can you can defuse the entire moment before they even know there is one by by the way you present yourself out to them um, it's a form of of loving manipulation Mm. you know what i'm going to turn your mood into a positive one and if i can't that's kind of on you Mm -hmm. you know but i'm not i'm not going to get sucked into a negative reaction with someone or, or a friction reaction to someone uh right off the bat especially if it's someone i care about and i see they're having a bad day it's it's okay uh what love are you not getting right now what what is it you need and Knowing what our relationship is, and then how I can interact with you, how can I defuse that or make your day a better one, or at least make our interaction that we're about to have a better one,
1: mm-hmm.
0: based on, on on what I know about you.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, well it's like it, that when I see clients. It's like that in relationship. You know, if I have a client that walks in who's <clears throat> in a state very low on that emotional tone scale and I want to bring them up. You know, it's like, I have a choice of how I handle that. And it's the same thing when I step out in front of an audience, uh, to do a talk, you know, it's, I've got a hundred people, I've got a thousand people and I've got to try to reach every single one of them as if they're not sitting in this giant crowd. How do you do, you know, how do you do that? How do you have that communication, whether it's one-on-one or a thousand to one? Um, it's a juggling act because you've got to read that input process that input and spit something back out so it's it's and i love that that dance metaphor because that's exactly what it is it is this these subtle movements and these subtle changes and just sometimes that pause where the audience goes what what you know you you get quieter or you 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 use vocal tone you you, you all those things we were trained in as as a performer um if we can bring that to everyday life we're going to be more effective communicators more effective business people all of that stuff yeah
0: and and you can you can change attitudes with uh, just just the way you're holding yourself,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just your expression on your face, and the way you react to things. Yeah, because you're talking about it,
2: I, I I remembered the concept of pace, pace, lead, like from a rapport standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know where you kind of you, you pace once or twice with wherever they're at, and then you make a lead change. Right. So again, if if somebody's you know maybe feeling down, you you know you try to under kind of understand and kind of go with them for a little bit, and then you try to move them a little bit up in in that area and see if they're going to follow you. If they follow you, then you kind of you know again pace pace lead, and eventually you kind of move people up, um, you know in 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 where you're going. And Kathy, you were talking too, you know about the big groups, you know because again as a public speaker also. You know, I've always been taught what you do to one, you do to all. And so, you know, again, it's like you don't have to go around and give high fives to everybody in the audience. But if you do it to one or two people, everybody else feels like it happened to them. And so I'm sure, again, in your performance art, it's kind of the same way, you know, again, where you're kind of going off of certain individuals as well to try to
0: influence the whole crowd as, as well. And the one thing magicians could learn uh one of the most important lessons they could learn is is exactly that because if you are uh belittling one person if you are if, if you're making one person the brunt of the joke that you're telling or being skeezy or, or or being you know inappropriately uh flirting or whatever you know whatever level that comes off of you're making everybody else in the room uncomfortable mm-hmm. Or making them feel like, you know, you're doing it to me as well as you're doing it to this person. Yeah. So why would you do that?
1: Yeah. And I've seen that. I've seen a magician start to bomb a little bit and get uncomfortable and start actually making personal, almost personal insults to one person, whether commenting on their physicality or commenting on, you know, and you can see the entire, the entire group does not think that's funny. No. They They turn on them quickly because it's a very personal dig not even in character Or not. i mean there's one magician who i can't think of who it is but he asks for a dollar bill and he tears it up and then he goes i'm just a dick and puts that tear of dollar bill in his pocket he was never going to restore it he was and i actually find it hilarious because he does it in character in such a way that <laughs> it kind of fit and you're like yeah, okay mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's just the theme around is he's just sort of the, but he does it so friendly like yeah that it's, you don't go, Whoa, it's funny. Like, oh, he just kind of played us all, you know. He so did. Did, did you, it's the delivery.
0: Did you ever see Harry Anderson work?
1: No, not in person.
0: Okay. Harry would come out and he, he had this style. It was kind of an easygoing, laid back, never leaning in in your face, but always just kind of, you know, and, and he would play with a few people and he would, you know, that's, that's, uh, did you get a free bowl of soup when you bought the tack? That's nice. It's very, you know, <laughs> so he would, And then he'd pick out one person and he'd just be a total jerk to this one person. Light handed. Mm -hmm. And eventually he gets into his show and he, and he goes over and he's like, "Uh, Hey, uh, give me a five, give me a five, give me a $5 bill. And they pull it out and he'd tear it in half and go, and he'd go, where have you been? I've been a jerk to this guy over here all night long. (laughs) I, I, I I insulted that guy's tie. I've been a jerk to everybody in the room. And I, and I say, give me a fuck. I didn't even say please. <laughs> and you where where were you brought up, you know? <laughs> and it was just that kind of thing. It just caught you so yeah, where why would I do that? Right.
1: Yeah, and it was like- so
0: disarming. It, it brought that out. So you can the, one of the lessons he taught me personally was like he's if you want something from someone, just you know, it's in an audience especially, you, you ask them for it.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. I mean, just in life, what do you need? That's and Jason. And I had that. We've had a conversation so much. People say that they're not getting what they want, but they don't actually know what they want. And that's my yeah. first coaching session with people is what do you, what do you want? Like what do what, you, want? you don't just turn on ways and go, take me somewhere. You know, you have to program at a destination and then you have to ask for it. And then you have to get there. And of course, way blown through another half an hour. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say, because, because, because with that, you know, when you said that, Kathy, because that's, you know, one of the common coaching questions is people already know what they want, right? So you say, you mm-hmm. know, what do you want? And they say, I don't know what I want. And so the the rebuttal is, if you knew what it was, what would it be? Yeah. And that is an amazing question because mm-hmm. all of a sudden people kind of sit up and they go, oh, it's this. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You knew the whole time. It's just, you know, we were kind of blocking it and not putting it in there.
1: Um, Yeah. I like to say when people say, I don't know, I say, yes, you do. Mm -hmm. And they always, maybe it's the third time I say that. Well, I don't know. Yes, you do. Well, I don't know. Yes, you do. Well, it's probably, and then they have an answer, you know, it just takes a little bit of. uh,
0: There's a lot of fear in in standing up and just saying what it is you want. Yes. There's a, a ton of people that just live in fear of just, acknowledging what it is they, they really truly want
1: mm-hmm.
0: out of something.
1: To we, have we done an when episode on fear yet?
0: yet? On fear? A big life <laughs> and, and yeah. is, and is, a, and is afraid to say what she wants, uh, uh, you know, out of, out of the life she's got. So she's struggling with that.
1: Yeah. Uh, fear is huge. All right. So mm. Hannibal, Yo. any, any final thoughts? And then how can people reach you to book you, to contact you, to all that good stuff?
0: Mm, stay home, wash your hands. Um,
1: yeah seriously
0: uh if you the 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 question that i get most from from magicians that you know kathy i'm successful at what i do and i'm not successful because i make a lot of money i'm not successful because i'm famous as a magician I, i guess i have a certain level of recognition among my peers i'm nominated for two I was nominated for Close-Up Magician of the Year and Parlor Magician of the Year. I don't know how that happened. Um, My first advice to any magician coming up, I'm I'm successful because I do what I love and I reach people and we dance together. Uh, Have a kick-ass show. That's the only thing you have to do. Uh, As far as getting along in life, listen when somebody's talking to you and respond with kindness. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, That's it in a nutshell for me right now. Uh, 54 days without performing. Nobody sent me a chip or anything.
1: (laughs) You don't get a Um, chain after day 30. (laughs) This
0: is something. I don't know what I got. uh, I've been in this room now for 54 days and not in front of an audience at all. It's very tough uh, for someone like me. Uh If you want to get in touch with me, my uh, website is themagicartist.com. themagicartist.com. If you feel like supporting my art, uh, my Patreon, uh, which I have a, a nice little following of people who support me in minimal ways, you know, which is nice. It keeps food in my uh, in my refrigerator until California decides they can help uh, is Patreon handle is Magic Artist. Uh, that's that's kind of it. I mean, I don't have any up and coming shows. <laughs>
1: Well, you will. <laughs> we'll all I get, back to, all uh, get if,
0: back to that. If anyone is looking for um, a consultation on, on particular uh, magic effects they're trying to do via Zoom or whatever, I'm available for that. And that is on a strictly donation-based uh, whatever. If I can help you, I'll help you. I'll watch your video and tell you what I see are the strengths and weaknesses of, of your performance. Yeah. Um, other than that, I, am, I have a, a whole ton of new material that I have been working on for 54 days that I get to unleash as soon as, uh, as soon as the world stops coming to an end.
1: Yay. Cause as soon as the world recharges itself, that's awesome. I'm so happy we had you on this is a lovely conversation. Oh, thank you. Um, yay. I love my friends. Okay. Uh, I'm Kathy. <laughs> I hope Gruber. I gave
0: you some quality things. I hope oh, you so oh did. Yeah. It was
1: beautiful. It was beautiful. Okay. Um, I'm Kathy Groover. I can be reached at kathygroover.com.
2: And I'm Jason Mefford. I can be reached at jasonmefford.com. So go out uh, you know, I, I, I love that, you know, listen to people and respond with kindness. And if we, if we do that, uh, it's going to be a great week for you. So go out, have a great week, and we'll catch you on a future episode of the Fire and Earth podcast. See ya.